Take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1, and we're going to be looking specifically at verses 20 through 33. And I'll tell you uh, right here at the beginning, this is one of those messages with a really long introduction, uh, but I want to get that in because a lot of it has to do with this 31 Days of Proverbs project that I mentioned earlier during the announcements. I won't go over all of that again except to say if you missed those announcements, these are in the foyer. And I encourage all of you to take one of these today with you, take it home, read one proverb each day. Now, if you already have a Bible reading schedule, already have a Bible reading plan, I'm asking you to simply add this to your plan. One extra chapter a day. If you don't have a Bible reading plan, or if you're honest, you don't stick to your Bible reading plan, then let me encourage you, be faithful to read uh, one chapter of Proverbs a day. Open up this, this guide, this book. It's not going to change your life unless you allow it to. But I want you to be in God's Word every day. And uh, that's what the, the message is about today. Um, we, we have increasingly, we have people who are biblically illiterate, but they think they know a lot about the Bible because they hear things, they talk to people. Um, for, for example, there are many Americans, 82% of Americans, believe the phrase, God helps those who helps themselves, is in the Bible. 82%. I don't know who, they, who they're talking to. Hopefully they're not talking to you. That, that is not found in the Bible. Not even the thought is not found in the Bible. Um, 81%, 81% of born-again Christians, people who say, I'm a born-again Christian, 81% believe that the Bible teaches the primary purpose in life is to take care of one's family. Now, I, I want you to take care of your family, and the Bible has a lot to say about taking care of family, about honoring parents, about raising our children, but you ought to know the primary purpose of our life here on this earth is to glorify God and to exalt Him. That's what we're here for. 50%, and I don't know again who they're talking to, but 50% of graduating high school seniors thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were a husband and wife in the Bible. <laughs> These are just examples of, of biblical illiteracy that's on the rise. When I was uh, teaching in the 90s, I remember this, this theme came out, what would Jesus do? Do you remember that, what would Jesus do? By the way, that's not found in the Bible either. It's found in a book, in his steps. A lot of times people said, what would Jesus do? You know, I'm, I'm you know, trying to be friendly. I'm, what would Jesus do? I'm looking at my money. What would Jesus do? The book, In His Steps, is the book that popularized the phrase, what would Jesus do? And in his steps comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, where it talks about we should follow in Jesus' steps, suffering as he suffered. And I think very few people who say, what would Jesus do, are talking about suffering. Because there's a huge amount of biblical illiteracy in our nation. Now, I can't change everyone, but I can change me. And I can influence you to be more biblically literate, and that starts by reading your Bible. Now, every once in a while, I'll say something about reading one's Bible, and, and some of you, you have difficulty with reading. If you can't read it, here's what I'd like you to do. Get a program that reads it to you, and follow along the words as best you can as you're listening to the chapter each day. But get into God's Word. Get into God's Word. It doesn't change your life if you don't hear it. You know the verse in James that we're not to be hearers, merely hearers of the word, but doers. But it does start with hearing. 
How can we be doers if we don't know what it says? So the purpose for this 31 Days of Proverbs project is to get you into the Word of God. Um, those of you that are visiting, you're welcome to take a copy of this as well. Uh, mostly it's meant for those folks that are going to be regularly attending here with us over the next few weeks so that we can read it together, so we can talk about it. You know, I, I know the football playoffs are coming up, and some of you are diehard football fans. I was with a friend of mine in, in Oregon, and he's a diehard uh, football fan. Um, and so guess what we like to talk about? Football. Let me tell you what's more important than football, the Word of God. So let's all read together these chapters one a day, and the next Sunday as we're having conversation, let's talk about what we read. How the Holy Spirit used the Word of God to speak to our hearts. So let me first give you some, uh, the purpose, again, is by way of introduction, the purpose of this 31 Days of Proverbs project. Number one, I want to develop in you a delight for the Bible. I want you to love God's Word. Psalm 119, Oh, how love I thy law, it is my meditation all the day. Why does the psalmist meditate on God's Word? Because he loves it. He isn't forced to. It's not because his pastor is going to come and say, Did you read Proverbs 5 today? It's because he wants to. I was with a fella, he's not a Christian, uh, over this last week, but he is a part of the interview process for his company, and they write software. Uh, computer games is what they do. They write computer. They write the code for computer games. And his part of the interview is the technical interview. Is the person capable of writing the code that needs to be written? And he said he does not ask them what degree they have, and he doesn't ask them what computer languages they know, which surprised me. That's what I thought he'd ask them. He says one of his go-to questions is, what is your passion? What do you do with your free time? He pointed out that computer languages are constantly changing and evolving, and, and the, I don't even know the terminology, but he said you can have study, you could study a language in a classroom and have no idea how to implement it in the computer. But if you love it, and you're constantly thinking about it and constantly working on it, that's the type of programmer his company wants. You know what type of Christian Elmira Baptist Church needs? Not the Christian who just thinks he knows about the Bible, the Christian who saturates his mind with the Word of God because he enjoys it. There are some Christmas desserts that your family makes, and nobody has to force you to eat them. In fact, if your wife is smart, she's probably hiding them so you don't eat too much. Why? You love it. You, you want to get more of it. And when you delight in God's Word, when you love God's Word, you get into it. But a lot of times people don't even know what's in there, in, in your Bible. Maybe some of you haven't read, sat down intentionally to read a passage of Scripture all of 2023. You have missed out. Now why do I think that a lot of Christians aren't in God's Word? Well, one reason, and I know this is anecdotal, but uh, our church, for the purposes of putting slides uh, with hymn lyrics up, we have contracted with uh, Christian Copyright Licensing International, CCLI. If you want to know more about that, I'd be glad to have you handle that. You come see me. But we contract with these folks, and about twice a year, they send me a kind letter that says, hey, you already pay for the right to take words from your hymn book and put them up on the screen. Would you be interested in paying for the right to show movie clips in your sermons? I thought to myself, why would you want to show movie clips in your sermons? 
Because more Christians are watching movies than reading God's word. And more pastors, their minds are saturated with the movies of today, so when they need an illustration, they immediately think of the latest blockbuster. We ought to have minds that are saturated with the Word of God because we love it, we enjoy it. It's like that favorite Christmas dessert. Number two, in addition to developing a, a love for the Bible, a delight in the Bible, I want to facilitate your knowledge of the Bible. You can't learn what you haven't studied. If you've never read God's Word, you won't know what's in it. A homeschool family experienced this. One of their children in the junior high age bracket there was struggling in her homeschool classes and they were using a video system so the child would watch some videos, they had a workbook to work through and then they'd take these tests and quizzes and they were pretty consistently, this child was pretty consistently failing the tests and quizzes. And then one day it just like turned around. All of a sudden this child that was just failing and just says, I don't get it started getting A's and B's on all the tests and quizzes, and the wise father went to this child and said, what is, what's happened? How, how come you're understanding now what you didn't understand before? And the child said, because I've been watching the videos. This child had been fast-forwarding through the videos and saying, yeah, my eyes were on the screen, but they weren't learning. And sometimes we can read God's Word that way, can't we? Just sort of skim it. Yeah, I read that and have no idea what it said. That's not what I'm trying to do in this project. That's why there's a few questions, there's some pointers to make sure you're getting into God's Word and understanding what you're reading. But you still have to put in the effort. I, I can't put in the effort for you. So I want you to develop a love for God's Word, a delight in His Word. And I want to facilitate your understanding and your knowledge of the Bible. But number three, I want to increase your confidence that the Bible is God's word. The psalmist says this, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. There's a man with confidence in God's word. Now you know why sometimes we don't read God's word? Because we don't think it's relevant to our lives. We don't think it has anything to do with us. Now, there are passages of Scripture that I'll be frank, candid, it's, it's difficult. You read through them and you, you ponder, what in the world does this have to do with me? Proverbs is not that book. You're going to find Proverbs that you're almost every day, in fact, I would be surprised if every day, if you read it seriously and you think about what it's telling you, and then you watch as the Holy Spirit arranges the circumstances of your life to reinforce those lessons, you will be surprised how many Proverbs you will use each day. How many Proverbs you'll think, oh, that's right, that's what God said. Because God is always right. Amen. Even if you don't realize it, God is always right. Amen. But if we don't even know what He said, we, we don't understand that. And the more you spend in Proverbs this month, maybe you find that you want to read a chapter twice, or read it in the morning, and again read it in the evening, you're going to find that God's Word lines up with reality 100% of the time. There were two men... They were friends, not close friends, but they were friends. And one of them was a Christian and the other one was not a Christian. And of course, the Christian friend is constantly talking about the Bible and what he's reading in his Bible. And it seems like the Christian friend is dragging the Bible into every conversation. So one day, his unbelieving friend, his friend who's not a Christian, said, Listen, I don't think you can show me a single verse from the Bible that's true. And surprisingly, the Christian friend 
grabbed his, his uh, non-Christian friend, his unbelieving friend, in a headlock and began to violently twist his nose back and forth. Pretty soon, blood is coming out of his friend's nose. It gets on his friend's shirt. It gets on his, the Christian guy's shirt. Blood everywhere. He lets him out of the headlock. This guy's ready to beat him up. What did you do that for? He said, well, Proverbs 30, 33 says, Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. I just proved that at least one verse is true. You're going to read that verse, most likely on January 30th. But there, the, Proverbs is full of verses like that, very practical verses, that you should, as you allow the Holy Spirit, as you saturate your mind and your heart with Scripture, and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, say, oh, I see where that verse lines up with reality. Oh, I see how that verse works in my life. Finally, in addition to developing a delight for God's Word and to facilitate your knowledge of the Bible and to increase your confidence in the Bible, you're going to find yourself enlightened if you will read Proverbs. But you have to, there's an additional step to reading, and that is implementation. Because you can read the Bible and then ignore it. You can read the Bible like it's your textbook and then never think about it again. And that's not what the Bible is. The Bible is not a textbook. The Bible says of itself that it is alive and that it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides right into our hearts and exposes our motives. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip that next uh, slide and go right on to this one. Here's our text today, Proverbs chapter 1. Let's pick it up in verse 20. I'm going to read to you verses 20 through 33. And it's a word picture where Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, draws a picture for us of wisdom as a woman that cries out in the streets. She calls out in the streets. She's not hiding. She's not whispering, hey, you want some wisdom? No, she's out there shouting and yelling. Follow along as I read Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the street. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of of the gates in the city she uttereth her words saying how long ye simple ones will ye love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge turn you at my reproof behold I will pour out my spirit unto you I will make known my words unto you now she shows us what happens when we ignore her because I have called and ye refused I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, 
and shall be quiet from fear of evil. And with that, let's pray. Father, thank you again for drawing us to this place today. There are folks that are here visiting, family, and they've made being in your house on your day to worship you with their brothers and sisters a priority, and I pray a special blessing for them. There are folks that could be elsewhere. They could be with their families, but their families have made other priorities, and they know the most important thing to do is to be here worshiping you. Bless them particularly. And bless all of us, Father, with that manifest presence, with that knowledge that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. May your Holy Spirit take this passage and make it alive to us. Open our eyes to see the truth that's there and give us a greater delight in your word. Increase our confidence in your word. Help us to understand your word and then shed a light on our path, we pray. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Here in verse 20 and 21, wisdom crieth without, she uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. She's right out there where everybody can see her. She's not hiding. She's not in some side alley. She's right where everything goes on. Now, why would God use this type of word picture to illustrate wisdom? And the truth is, we can see wisdom. We can see the wisdom of Proverbs if we just pay attention to what's going on around us. Now, we have to know what the Pro Proverbs says. I, I, I understand that. And we have to open our eyes to truth, but you can see it all around you. Proverbs lays out for us how life works. It's the instruction manual to tell us how God intended things to be. Maybe some of you got a gift at Christmas that had to be assembled. And if you're like me, the first thing you do is you throw the instructions away. Because you're so much smarter than that, you're just going to look at it and you're going to figure it out. That's how we approach life, isn't it? But God has an instruction manual for us. He can tell us how to do things. He can tell us what not to do. He can tell us what to think and how to think. She cries. It's just the way life works. We've, we've seen it in our own life. Think of that verse in, in um, Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider his ways, her ways, excuse me. Consider her ways and be wise. You know that passage in Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8, teaches us that people who are diligent and, and thoughtful, they plan, they get ahead in life. Boy, I've seen that a hundred times. You have too. Somebody can be brilliant, can be smart, Smarter than me by, by, by multiple measures. And yet, because they're not diligent, because they don't plan ahead, they're constantly caught in difficult situations. And they'll say to me, why do bad things always happen to me? And I say to them, because you're looking for bad things. You're not thinking ahead. You're not planning. I know high school dropouts. High school dropouts. In fact, one guy I know, he dropped out of high school twice. They made him go back. And he makes a significant six-figure income today because he's diligent and he knows his stuff. And people want to pay him because he works hard at what he does. Proverbs teaches us that, that the sluggard will not prosper, that the thoughtless person will not have prepared what he needs when it is needed. It's the, it's the Proverbs reveals to us not only the way that life works, it reveals to us the way that our mind works. When you get to Proverbs 18, notice this verse. He that is first in his own cause seemeth just. In other words, the guy who speaks first always seems right. 
boy, have I seen that in my life. I was a high school principal for a while. And the first person that came into my office would always have a great story. Made sense. But then you'd pull in the second student. Completely different story. Sometimes I felt like, did you guys experience life at the same moment in the same place? Where were you when he said this happened? And where were you when she said this happened? Well, the Bible tells us, he that is first in his own cause seemeth just. It's the way that our emotions work. As you re read Proverbs, you're going to, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to quicken them, to make it alive to your mind, you're going to see how your own emotions work. Why you feel the way you do. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. How many of you have seen that in your life? How many of you have seen a harsh answer bring out more anger? I can escalate just about any argument. My wife will tell you I'm really good at escalating arguments. I'm not so good at de-escalating them. But Proverbs tells me a soft answer turns away wrath. So as you read Proverbs this month, and you come across verses like this. That's wisdom calling out to you. Hey, Scott, pay attention. I got something for you. Look. Now, I would much rather learn by reading Proverbs than learn through the school of hard knocks. I would much rather avoid evil, and Proverbs talks about that, than walk into it, boom, get smacked down and say, oh, I better not do that again. Wisdom calls out to the people who need her most. Look at verse 22 with me. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Now there are three groups here, and I'm just going to take a minute to talk about each group. The first group is simple ones. In Proverbs, as you see that word simple or simple ones, we're talking about people who lack experience. They have the capacity for wisdom, but they haven't yet found it. They're very impressionable. Sometimes they're simple because they want to be simple. They, they could learn, but they don't want to learn. They wish the world were one way, and so they believe it to be that way. But if they would just listen to wisdom, if they would pay attention to what God is saying, they could make a change. And wisdom cries out to the simple ones, how long will you love simplicity? She calls out to scorners. Now, if you're wondering what a scorner is, all you have to do is watch late night television. Those people are scorners. I, I've observed in my own life, and again, Proverbs will teach you this much better than I can. Scorners love to make fun, but they rarely do. They love to make fun of things. They can make fun of every plan you have. They can make fun of what you've done. They can make fun of what you've bought. They, they, they love to make fun. And then when you say, okay, what would you do? Oh, I... <laughs> Kenny, we could take a scorner through this building, and they'd find 100 problems. And we'd say, okay, what would you do to solve it? Oh, <laughs> They're really good at finding problems. They're really good at making fun. They're really good at making you feel foolish, but they have no idea how to do it. Wisdom cries out to scorners. Why do you delight in your scorning? Why do you find such joy in mocking and making people feel low? Wisdom cries out to fools. Fools, as you'll find as you read through Proverbs, fools are those who are so arrogant and so conceited that in their arrogance and in their conceit, they refuse instruction. It sits right there for them and they say, nope, I won't have it. 
Have you ever seen a little child that really needs to take a nap? But the little child is so tired that they're throwing a fit. And if you could just calm them down, just get them to settle down and close their eyes, they'd be out in five seconds. But instead, they throw their arms and they kick their legs and they're crying and they're screaming. That's the fool. <laughs> refuses to be calmed down, refuses to be helped. Everything's wrong. Life is terrible. Nobody, nothing is fair. And as soon as you say, well, let me, let me show you. Oh, you don't understand. Not interested in instruction. They're not interested in wisdom. And guess what? Wisdom even calls out to fools. Wisdom even calls out to them if they would receive her. Wisdom offers her resources freely. Verse 23 tells us, I will make known my words unto you. She wants to teach you. She wants to help you. She's not asking for you to do something for her. She's trying to do something for you. The question is, will you receive it? And then there's a warning starting in verse 24 that if we refuse instruction, if we ignore wisdom, that comes with its own dangers. Here's the first danger. If you refuse wisdom long enough, if you ignore instruction, there will come a point when it will not be available to you. You'll cry for it. Hey, hey, I need help. But it won't be available anymore. You'll say, hey, ah, boy, I, what was it that that person said? What was it that the Bible said to me? Ah, and it won't be there. That's external. Your circumstances will change. Tragedy will come against you, and you won't be able to find wisdom. Don't ignore wisdom. Don't refuse instruction when it is offered to you, because there will come a day when you can't find it and when it isn't available to you. But there's a second danger of ignoring wisdom, and that is when you ignore wisdom, you, you will reap the consequences of your own evil choices. You will have to live with those consequences. Start with me at verse 29. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Verse 31, therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. Because they said, I don't want wisdom. I, I don't want instruction. I don't need to be told what to do. There's going to be a day when they get to enjoy, I know that's the wrong verb, the consequences of their own evil choices. Now, I, I, I want to use an illustration here, and I know it's a political one, but just follow with me. Let me remind you that when war broke out in Gaza, it wasn't because the Israelis attacked the Gazans. Gazans ran over the border, got over the border, killed, raped, maimed, and took Israeli captives. Now they want you to feel that they are oppressed. Now, I don't know about you, but they are receiving the consequences of their own choices. And whether you agree with Israeli response or not, I'll tell you why the Israelis are flattening Gaza, because they don't want Hamas to survive. And who can blame them when you're being attacked? That's just an example of having your own consequences. Now, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, not, not completely sure, I haven't talked to them, but I'm pretty sure if you would have talked to the Hamas fighters 
on October 6th, the day before they put into effect their operation on October 7th. To a man, they would have described a very different outcome to you. They didn't think through their choices. They made evil choices. They didn't listen to wisdom. They didn't listen to instruction. And now they're reaping their own destruction. Secondly, in verse 31, Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own ways, second part of that, and be filled with their own devices. They begin to think that they know better than God. They don't need God's wisdom. They don't need God's instruction. And so their mind becomes filled with their own thoughts. They, they can't even think straight anymore. Now again, I'm going to give you another political example real quick here. If you disagree with me, I'd love to talk with you about it. Some of you are, are familiar with the Greek debt crisis in 2008 and 2009. And when the Greek government came to the end of their own resources and they needed more money and people said to them, listen, we are not going to give you more money because you can't even pay us back the money we've already given you. Consistently, the Greek government's response was, if you'll just give us a little more money. They didn't understand that debt was the problem. By the way, debt is never a problem until it is. Seriously, debt is never a problem until it is. If you've struggled with debt, you know the feeling, oh, I can borrow a little bit more. I can borrow a little bit more. And one day you go to borrow a little bit more and they won't give you a little bit more. And the, every single person that I've, well, there's one exception. Every person with this one exception that has struggled with bankruptcy has said to me, if the bank would just loan me a little more money, that's the problem. They've loaned you too much money. You, you have no way. How are you going to pay back this that you owe them? Well, I'm going to take what they loan me and I'm going to pay them back. <laughs> no, that's what they said to me. All right, this person, I'm, I'm going to take this and I'll pay them back. It, it's incredible. But when you ignore instruction, when you refuse wisdom, you say, I don't need to listen to you. Your mind begins to be filled with your own wrong way of thinking. That's the danger of refusing wisdom. I want you to notice, though, that foolishness, which is the opposite of wisdom, foolishness does not come from failure. People are not foolish because they fail. I failed in life. And my guess is all of you have failed in life at something as well. That's not what makes us foolish. Foolishness, according to this passage, comes from other sources too, but in this passage, Wisdom points out that foolishness comes from good fortune. Look at verse 32 with me. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. How many of you are aware that some of the craziest, most strange ideas come from people who have incredible amounts of wealth? I mean, they really, they have lots. You think, surely they must be smart. They earned all that money. Well, sometimes people earn money because they get lucky. And those people are dangerous. Because their prosperity, in their foolishness, their prosperity destroys them. I can tell you who's not pushing the green agenda. The homeless are not pushing the green agenda. Low-income people don't push the green agenda. Middle class people are not looking to 
totally end the use of fossil fuels in the United States. It's wealthy people. Now, they're not going to end their use of fossil fuels, but they want you to end their use of fossil fuels. It's the prosperity of fools that destroys them. If you go back to the attacks on September 11, 2001, none of those 19 attackers came from low-income families. Not a single one. All of them came from wealthy, oil-rich families. They were in the United States legally. And by the way, America doesn't usually let low-income people in uh, voluntarily. They have to go to Mexico and cross over the border. These guys didn't go to Mexico and cross over the border. They came in legally. They came from wealthy families. They were people of privilege in their country. What made them attack the United States? The prosperity of fools. Wisdom has its benefits. And, and, and just look with me quickly at verse 33. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Wisdom gives you two benefits. Number one, wisdom provides safety. I'm going to state this. I believe it. You can disagree with me. I think it's more important to have God's wisdom than a gun in your house. Amen. Now, I'm not against guns. I, I believe in the Second Amendment. I think you have a right to bear arms. I, I believe that. But more important than a gun is God's wisdom. More important. Because wisdom provides safety. And then secondly, wisdom also provides peace when the fear of evil is all around. It says that. Shall be quiet from fear of evil. As evil increases in our country, it's going to become a more fearsome place. I don't know about you, I'm not real excited when people ask me to come to Oakland <laughs> and spend the day with them downtown. Nothing against Oakland. If you were raised in Oakland, God bless you. I'm surprised you're with us, <laughs> but God bless you. I hear stories about people who are downtown Oakland doing just business and they're caught in a crossfire, people shooting around them. That's scary. How are we not going to lose our minds with all the evil around us? We're going to have God's wisdom. And God's wisdom shall provide that quiet, that peace, when there's turmoil all around us. You're, if you will, it, it takes more than one month. Please don't misunderstand. But if you will take this month seriously, spend time in God's word every day. Let it saturate your mind. Let it fill your thoughts. Let it change your heart. It'll be the start of a journey and you're going to end up in a safer place. A place that's free from the fear of evil. Not because evil's gone, but because you have confidence in God's word. So again, pick up a copy of our 31 Days of Proverbs project. Take it home with you. Read the chapter of the day. The chapter of the book that corresponds with the day. So tomorrow we'll read together Proverbs 1. Take some time to read through the introduction. And then as you get to chapter 1, there's just a few things. In fact, yeah, there's just a few things to fill out there. Each chapter is a little bit different, so just follow along. Then here's what I challenge you to do. Talk about it with other people. Talk about it with me. Talk about it with uh, your family. If you have family, talk about it with your coworkers. Talk about it with your neighbors. Don't ever be embarrassed to drag Scripture into a conversation because what are they dragging into the conversation? Man's wisdom at best. 
So I want to encourage you to do several things today as we come to this invitation. Here's the first thing. I would like all of you that are hearing me today to commit to read through Proverbs in January. Some people have already left. They've decided they don't want to read. No, I'm just teasing. Uh, th these people that left, I know them. They're good people. They, they're not upset with me, I don't think. But if you're still here, I want you to commit to read through Proverbs with me one chapter a day. Even if you're not a Christian, read through it with us, please. If you miss a day, you know what's going to happen? I know because it's happened to me. You miss a day and your flesh comes and your adversary comes and says, Oh, you missed a day. You're done. Just forget it. No, no, no. Just pick it up. Whatever day you're on. If you're on day four and you missed days one, two, and three, pick it up. Read Proverbs chapter four. Work through Proverbs chapter four in your little booklet. Now, if you want to go back and make days up, that's fine. But don't become discouraged and give up altogether because you get behind. Second thing I want you to do, commit to read through the book of Proverbs. Second thing, find an accountability partner that's not me. <laughs> no, I'm being serious because people come, Pastor, I want you to be my accountability partner. I'd love to be all of your accountability partners, but I got a few of you that I'm already accountability partner with. Let me, let me ask you to find a friend who will just check in with you a couple times a week to see how you're progressing. Now, I'll be frank, your spouse usually is not the best person because I really struggle when my wife tries to tell me things. I just do. I think probably a non-spouse friend. Just find someone, say, hey, would you hold me accountable when, when, when we're going through this, check with me two, three times a week. Have you done your reading today? And if they catch you on a day you haven't read, don't take it personally. They're just trying to be a help. Say, hey, you're right. I'll get to that, right? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, if you can do it right then, set everything else aside and do it. Find an accountability partner. Commit to read through the book of Proverbs. That's the invitation today. Father, thank you for the folks that you've brought out. And I'm excited about this project. I, I know that Proverbs has changed my life and changed the lives of so many whom I admire and respect. They've gained that wisdom that comes from above, that's pure and peaceable, that's easy to be entreated, and they've become different people. And so I'm excited that all of us can experience that. Many in this room have already experienced that, and I thank you. And I pray that they would look be just as eager as the rest of us to read through Proverbs again. I pray for those that haven't read through Proverbs in a long time, and they think, they think they know what's in there, and so they're a little bit dismissive. Change their heart, Lord. For those that have never read through it, give them an eager hunger for your word. Develop in me, develop in us, a delight for your word and a love for your word that brings us to your word to read it, to study it, to memorize it, to meditate on it, and then to talk about it with other people. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing um, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus as our song of invitation today. And again, I don't need you to commit to me to read through the book of Proverbs. I need you to commit to the Lord. And then number two, after the service is over and you've had a chance to talk with someone, find that friend. Maybe you need to go home and call that friend or text that friend. Hey, would you hold me accountable to read a chapter of Proverbs each day through the month of January?